0: My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So this morning I'm going to focus my sermon from the text of Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 through 9. And the title this morning is, Who Will Contend With Me? Who Will Contend With Me? And like I told the children just a few moments ago, that uh, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And he enters in in the pattern of a conquering king. But unlike the conquering kings of the nations who enter their cities with pomp and circumstance, displaying their great wealth, their military might, and the conquered peoples who will be made sport of, Jesus enters into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, as his people and as his disciples place their cloaks and palm branches before him. And Jesus is going to conquer, but he's going to conquer through his death. Not through a show of force, not through violence, not by marshalling the legions of angels who await his very command should he give it. And in this morning's reading that Sandy just, uh, just read for us, we see what befell Jesus after the triumphal entry. And the reading from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah re- prefigures what he's about to face, as well as his trust in his father to deliver him, not by avoiding the cross, but by vindicating him through the cross by his resurrection. And there will be three points of this sermon today. The first one is, who will contend with me? The second is, who is my adversary? And the third one is... Sorry, I lost my space. Who will declare me guilty? All right. So, number one, who will contend with me? So, when preparing for this sermon, I was struck by the tone of the reading from the prophet Isaiah, particularly verses 7 through 9. And to me, this section of verses... Seems like a man confident in who he is. Someone who is so utterly trusting in God that he's almost daring the reactions he's speaking of. And because the speaker here knows that God is on his side, that God knows how to sustain the weary, that God will be there with him. And we see this on display in the reading from Luke. Right, so in Luke twenty-two forty-one to 43, it says, And he, Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. So, given strength for what is about to happen, Jesus rises from the ground once he's done praying, wakes up his disciples, who are fast asleep, instead of praying with him, and goes to meet the crowd headed in his direction. And who is leading this crowd? Well, we know the answer. Judas Iscariot, the great betrayer. So the answer to the question in verse 8, who will contend with me, is answered. But Jesus is not just contending with Judas Iscariot himself. Luke tells us earlier in the same chapter, 22, verses 3 through 4, then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve, He went away and confirmed with the chief priest and officers how he might betray him to them. So we know that Jesus is contending with Judas, but not just with Judas, but he is also contending with Satan, working in and through Judas. And as we read through these portions today, we should remember the words of St. Paul that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this is something we must never forget, brothers and sisters, as Christians, is that what we are fighting against is not people who disagree with us, but we are fighting against very evil, real spiritual forces marshaled against Jesus Christ and his church. These words are not just metaphors, but they describe our present reality. And Judas, being used by Satan through the temptation of financial gain, looks for a way to deliver Jesus to the religious leaders so they can get rid of him. And a lot of depictions in popular media have, you know, Judas cast as a, he's kind of unwilling, who is maybe trying to get Jesus to exercise his messiahship by overthrowing the Romans. And this act of betrayal was just a kickstart he thought Jesus needed. But we don't see any agonizing on Judas' side of things until after Jesus is arrested. Judas, influenced by the evil one, through his own lust for money, has agreed to sell out the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. Number two, who is my adversary? Judas, under the influence of his lust for money, and Satan himself is only one part of the plan to silence Jesus. And throughout the Gospels, Jesus has clashed with groups of influential and powerful people. And he agitates them so much that the Gospel of Mark notes how two completely opposed parties unite to try and destroy him. Presumably before they fall apart and destroy each other after he's gone. And this next group of people arrives on the scene and we get the answer to the second question also in, in verse 8 of the reading from Isaiah. Who is my adversary? In Luke 22:52 to 53, then Jesus said to the chief priests and officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay hands on me, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. We see here the adversaries that come out against him are varied. The chief priests. Where should the chief priests be? Should the chief priests be there in the middle of the night arresting Jesus? No, they should not. Where should they be and what should they be doing? Their jobs. And what is their job? To offer sacrifices continually, in the temple, on behalf of God's people. It's not their job to waylay people and have them arrested, right? We have to remember they do this under the cover of darkness because they realize if they were to try to arrest Jesus in the daytime, they would probably have a riot on their hands because the people loved him so. And the officers referenced in Luke are the uh, are the guards, who were also taken from the Levites, and who were set to watch over the temple. And instead of watching over the temple, they're sent out to arrest an innocent man, again under cover of darkness. And Jesus says, "I've been in your presence for days. I've I've been talking and teaching publicly." What have I said or done to indi- indicate any sort of malevolence or any sort of violence? But like with Judas, we see something more malevolent at work here. The adversaries using the chief priests, using the guards, and also using the elders are the powers of darkness, just like with Judas. So again, we see a collusion between sinful humanity and the powers of Of darkness. Number three, who will declare me guilty? At the end of the reading from the garden portion before the scene shifts to Peter's betrayal of Jesus, it says in verse 54 Then they seized him and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house, and Peter was following at a distance. The rest of the story, right until the crucifixion, is the high priests and elders of Israel and the scribes all trying to get the Roman authorities to declare Jesus guilty. A verdict they themselves have already given him. They ask Jesus directly, are you the Christ? And Jesus says, even if I reply, you wouldn't believe the answer I would give you. And they would not believe him. But here's the kicker. They know he's the Christ. They know he is who he says he is. They know what the pro- prophets foretold, what the prophets promised about what god was going to do the signs were all there they were familiar with them right remember at the luke story right where where the 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 wise men right they come and they're like hey we saw the the messiah star rising in the east we need to go worship him and so herod gets the religious leaders together and they go oh yeah he's going to be born uh, uh, in bethlehem so that's uh, 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 and so they go right they knew who jesus was They saw what he did. They saw his miracles day after day. They heard him teach. And still, they tried to proclaim him guilty. Just like their forefathers in the wilderness, until their own time, they resist the work of God even when they know better. As St. Stephen will say before he stoned to death, he'll he'll say, stiff-necked in hearts, always you do resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers have done. How many of them did they not kill? And under the guise of accusing Jesus of blasphemy, they seek to have him killed. They pronounce him guilty. But they can't just do that because they can't just take care of it themselves. That's why they collude with the Romans so they can keep their hands clean. And after much back and forth, even though he finds Jesus innocent, Pilate caves to their demands and orders Jesus to be crucified. But Pilate is just as guilty as they are for shedding innocent blood. But here's the thing. Even though they pronounce Jesus guilty, God pronounces him innocent. In Isaiah 59, Behold, the Lord God helps me who will declare me guilty. Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. Pilate and the religious leaders may declare Jesus guilty. But God vindicates his innocence by raising Jesus from the dead. And so the aftermath of the Passion, and we're going to talk obviously about this more right on Monday, Thursday and Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, uh, the, the week services are at 7 p.m. and then we're having a sunrise service at 6 and then uh, our normal service at 10.15. But the aftermath of all of this, Jesus' death, his willingly going to death, to die, the powers of darkness, right? Those, the adversaries, who is my adversary? The powers of darkness Who will contend with me? Satan himself. Their powers over humanity are destroyed. The power of sin is destroyed. The overwhelming desire for money that allowed Satan to get a foothold into Judas to try to betray Jesus. The power that that has over humanity is now broken. The power of sin has been broken over every single one of you. Scripture talks about how we were enslaved to sin and enslaved to death as if we were chained to them. And Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, these are something that liberate us, that free us from the powers of darkness, from sin, from Satan. And those who have power over others become powerless as they cannot kill the body. They can only kill the body but not the soul. And this is what empowers the early Christian martyrs. And so brothers and sisters, as those who have been made new in Jesus, those who have experienced his forgiveness, those of us who have been brought into him, We have that experience then of being able to live as those whom sin's destruction has been made real for. To experience, I hate using this word, right? But to experience the benefits. Those are only for those who are in Christ. Those are only for those who are in Christ. And the events that we heard read today and what we're gonna hear through the rest of Holy Week, this is all things that Jesus voluntarily goes through for our salvation. And he does it. Not because God has to vent. And he. Somebody. This is one of the worst theological takes I've ever heard in my entire life. Somebody once I heard calls the cross. And Jesus' death on the cross. Um, this is God. It's like a divine form of abuse. Which is a garbage take if you've ever heard that. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is. Voluntarily offering himself up for the life of the world. And he has contended with Satan. And he has contended with the powers of darkness. And he has conquered. And because he has conquered. We experience that victory too. St. Athanasius. As he once wrote. And at last he was willingly led to death that we might behold in him the image of all that is virtuous and immortal, and that we, conducting ourselves after these examples, might truly tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have a few minutes, I'd ask you to go to gofundme.com slash zion's stone church repair fund we have some significant repair work that we need to do on our bell tower as well as some repair work due to a recent lightning strike anything you'd be able to help us out with we would greatly appreciate it if you'd like to get a hold of me or you have any questions about what you've heard Feel free to reach out at our Facebook page, Zion Stone UCC, or you can check us out on our website, zionstoneucc.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.